The scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. It's a little bit expanded from what was announced in your bulletin. We're going to start at, at verse 1, chapter 20, verse 1, page 73 in the Pew Bible. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for the life that you offer to each one of us. Thank you for clear instructions for how we might know and live out that life. Thank you for your word that, that continually reveals to us you and the life you invite us into. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Impress this word upon all of our hearts. May we live it out with great joy. In your name we pray, amen. So I had Lorna read all the Ten Commandments because I just needed time to get changed. So. <laughs> it was a delay tactic, that's all it was. Come on, you can't get enough of Scripture, right? So it's good. We read these Ten Commandments that, in which God has set out what the good life is. And many in our world, as they look at those commandments, maybe even hear the word commandments, ooh, chafe at them, right? Even chafe at the sound of commandments. Too authoritarian, too restrictive, right? I need freedom to choose my own path. And, and so we're easily led to disregard these commandments. Maybe you see them as, oh, I don't know, quaint relics from a past. Maybe as, maybe as suggestions for how we might want to consider living life. And so if you break them, that's okay. 
Uh, they're suggestions. What I find interesting about many of these commandments in our culture is that we keep them fairly well. I don't hear people bragging every day about, you know, a latest theft that they've had or, you know, telling you the tally of the lives they've taken in the past week. But we actually do brag about one, breaking one of those commandments, and we do it all the time. And, and interesting, both people in the church and outside the church brag a lot about it, and it is breaking the Sabbath commandment. We brag about the time, how early we get into work, and how late we stay at work. We brag about how many emails we plowed through that one day, how many days in a row that we have worked ourselves. We venerate workaholism in our culture, even, even as we suffer under the tyranny of that slave driver. And I got to confess, your pastor right here is a Sabbath breaker. Um, no, really, like this is one of the harder commands for me to keep. Obviously, I work on a Sunday, so I'm trying to figure out some other place. But it's not only just a scheduling thing, it's a heart thing, too. And I find this, this, this reality is so dangerous, especially in a city like ours, or Toronto, which is just a driven city, right? We are people busy, hustling around, driven to make it. We are in a city that is fast-paced, work-inebriated, production-obsessed. I'm convinced that the biggest idol, and every city has its own different idols, right? Things that we give ourselves to. I'm convinced one of the biggest idols in our city is the God of work. Now, work is a good thing. Don't mistake me. Don't misunderstand me. God calls us to work, but when we place our primary identity in our performance, in, what we, in our productivity, when we place our primary sense of selves into our work, work slowly becomes an idol, and that idol, it's a hard taskmaster. It demands we work longer and longer hours. It refuses to let us slow down and stop. It runs us ragged. We are so busy with work. The 40-hour work week, that seems like a quaint relic of the past, doesn't it? And in our gig economy, where is the normal end to a work day? And weekends, who knew? What are those things anymore, right? With all our technology, emails, texts, Slack, we carry with us our work wherever we go on our phones. A recent study showed that of North Americans, 75% of us sleep with our phones beside our bed tables. And of those 75%, 90% check their phones the first thing they do when they wake up. Now, even if that's not you, even if that's not who you are, it's interesting. You can do a little study. I encourage you this week, uh, just sort of pay attention to it. If you ask across the board, people in our city, how are you doing? You're going to hear the same result. Doing good, but busy. Busy, right? We all say that. Oh, yeah, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Yep, doing great, but so busy. Yes, ouch, indeed. I say that. Can you, can I, I give you a license. If I say that, call me to account on it, okay? I, I want it to be an unbusy pastor. I do. Why do we feel the need to respond like this? You know? When was the last time you heard someone say, when you asked, how you doing? Oh, man, I really don't know what to do with all the time I have on my hands. <laughs> Seriously. 
Even if it was true of our lives that we had a lot of spare discretionary time, the cultural conditioning of, of the world we live in calls that heresy. That's the heresy of our culture because we're taught that if we're no longer busy, we are not important. We have no value. I'm busy is actually a code word for I matter. And you hear this refrain across cultures, genders, ethnicities, stages of life. We are trying to squeeze more and more into the same 24 hours we are all given. And so what happens is life speeds up. Do you ever notice that? How you talk faster, how you read faster, how you eat faster? Because you're trying to do more and more in the same amount of time, faster and faster, but you're enjoying it less and less. And I know I'm not telling you anything new here. You're all such busy people. Hasn't it almost become a, an accepted condition of modern life that we're resigned to this fact that, yeah, we're busy, life is a rat race, and we're slaves to the clock and the hard taskmaster of all our busyness. So where, then, is the practice of Jesus that might bring us life? How can followers of Jesus raise up a fist of resistance against our slave-driving, work-obsessed, hyper-busy culture and say to it, enough, no more, and it is the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is one of God's greatest gifts to all humanity. We're considering the practices of Jesus here at Knox. We're trying to think through how do we live out this beautiful resurrection life Jesus has offered to each one of us. And the good news is that God provides us a practice where we can catch our breath once a week, a practice that can restore a sense of rhythm and balance to our living, that can free us from the idol of work. It is the practice of Sabbath. Into all our busyness, God speaks a word. And that word is stop. Stop it already. It is called Sabbath. Really, that's the Hebrew word Shabbat. It means stop. That's what it means. God has provided a pause button to life. Did you know that? It is called Sabbath. The word Shabbat or Sabbath is a common Hebrew word. It's nothing holy about the word. It just means to cease. To stop, it is about the non-use of our time. And the practice of Sabbath is simply this, setting aside a full day, a continuous 24-hour period for rest and refreshment. One of the greatest gifts that God has given to us, one of the most powerful antidotes to this idol of work, to the drivenness that fuels so much dysfunction and harm to our souls and our bodies is Sabbath by setting it aside as a holy day of rest. Now, we're talking about the practice of Sabbath, but Sabbath is given to us as a command. Not really a negotiating point here with God, okay? Meaning, Sabbath is critical to your discipleship, to you following Jesus. If you are not keeping Sabbath, something is very off in your apprenticeship to Jesus Christ. The command to honor Sabbath uh, comes to us in two different places, in Exodus and then in Deuteronomy. We read the Exodus passage, and it's interesting, while the command is exactly the same in both of those passages, the rationale, the reasons for resting, for pausing, for stopping is very different. 
So it gives us a unique perspective um, on how Sabbath shapes our lives. So the Exodus passage, Exodus 20, um, focuses in on God and his creation. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days a week are set aside for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. For, here's the rationale, why? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Then he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So Exodus says we are to keep the Sabbath because God kept it. That's why. It reminds us that when God created the world, God did his work in six days and then rested. Come on, God rests. Did you ever think about that of God kicking up his feet, relaxing, delighting? This is our God. We worship the God who created the weekend. That's a good thing. That deserves an amen. Yes. God stopped his work and rested. And of course, in our minds, we're thinking, yeah, but you don't know the demands of my work. Do you think the demands of creating the galaxies are a little greater than your work demands? God rested. After six days, he rested. The word is Shabbat. It means God stopped. And it was not because God was seriously burned out after six days of really hard work. No, no, no. God stopped to delight, to savor the goodness of creation. Exodus is teaching us there is a, a created rhythm in life, in the fabric of the universe, woven into the way this life works. It is a rhythm of work and rest. It is a six plus one rhythm. Six days you shall work, and it is good for us to do work. But then we rest. The seventh day is a day of rest. That is just built into the universe. God has created this equilibrium of right conditions for living. There's the right amount of heat and light on this earth. There's the right amount of oxygen and water. And part of this fine balance is the equilibrium of time. There is a right balance of work and a right balance of rest. You are not a machine. You were made to live in God's rhythm of work and rest, a rhythm that is just embedded into the fiber of creation. And so in Sabbath, once a week, we stop. We align ourselves with the grain of the universe, with the laws of God's creation. Now, look at this What in Exodus. What God does is he blesses the Sabbath day. David talked about being drawn into the kingdom, kicking and screaming. <laughs> God blesses this one day, Sabbath day. The Sabbath is blessed. The carving out, the setting aside of one day is a blessing that is meant to fill you up. It is a time in which you will experience blessing. And not only God blessed it, but he made it holy, which is really fascinating. This is the first time you ever hear the word holy in all of Scripture. And it is given to a day set aside. It is a holy day. One writer, Abraham Heschel, talks about this. He, he's a Jewish theologian, and he says, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. Think about that. The Sabbath is like a holy cathedral. The day, the time itself. It means you don't need to make a pilgrimage to some faraway place to experience God. All you need to do is stop to enter the day that God made holy and blessed and enter that rest. 
Now, there's another place where this Sabbath command comes to us. It's in Deuteronomy. And again, same command, different rationale. Observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, as the Lord commands you. Six days you set apart for your work. Seventh day is a day of rest. Same command. Now comes the reason. It's different. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with amazing power and mighty deeds. This is why the Lord has commanded you to observe a Sabbath day. So the second reason we observe the Sabbath, we practice Sabbath, is because our faith ancestors, the Hebrew people, went through 400 years without a vacation, without a day off. It was, they were relentlessly worked to the bone. And what happens when all we do is work? We start thinking of ourselves in terms of usefulness, in terms of utility or productivity, and we are no longer human. We're machines. We're a back. That's all we are. We're no longer these unique creations of God created in God's image. Instead, we become slaves or work hands or production units, equipment for making pyramids or building corporations, whatever it is. And that didn't just happen so many thousands of years ago. That happens today too, right? Even though we're not called slaves, there are two values that shape so much of how we think about ourselves in our work society, and that is utility and productivity. We're measured by that. All we do is evaluate according to that yardstick. But for followers of Jesus, we have a different identity, and Sabbath reminds us of that identity. Sabbath reminded the ancient Hebrews that they were not just, they were no longer slaves of Pharaoh. They were not defined by their productivity. They were not defined by their success or their work. For us, the same thing. Our value is established by the fact that we are beloved by our Creator. And we have infinite worth because we are created and saved as God's dearly loved sons and daughters. So our work is not, our worth is not in our work. It is in our communion with God. Let me prove this to you, okay? I don't often say that, but I'm going to prove it to you that your worth is in your communion with God, not in your work. Remember the beautiful poem of Genesis 1, Chronicles Creation, and it says God created humans. Remember what day? Sixth day. Humans, God created. So on the very last creating day, on the sixth day, God created man and woman. And what was the next day? The Sabbath, the seventh in which God and all creation rested. So think of this. The very first full day of human existence was a day of rest. It was the weekend. The very first day of human existence. Think about what humans learn about God from that, about the generosity of who God is, about what this life is all about, that this life begins in a place of rest, and this is how the, the, the practice of Sabbath preaches the gospel to us. Because keeping a Sabbath day is a weekly sermon to us about how all of life is grace. It teaches us that what comes first is not all our doing, not all of our working. What is primary is God's grace and his goodness to us. We do not work to please God. Rather, we begin with rest because God is already delighted pleased with me, the work of his hand, what he's accomplished in our lives. So we begin with rest as God delights in us. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Our identity as God's loved children, where we do nothing to earn it. We don't work ourselves to the bone to receive it. It's a gift that is given to us. 
If we think it's up to ourselves to save ourselves, to work our way into God's good graces, we're just back in a rat race. It's a spiritual rat race, though, this time. You know, trying to prove to God how good and useful and productive we are. Can't do it. And that's why when Jesus lived, he saw a lot of people living like that, trying to prove to God their goodness. They were just growing weary, you know, under a whole set of rules, trying to do good works. And so he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is God's nature. He gives rest first work comes later. Think of even how the understanding of time shifts things. The Hebrew understanding of time begins with the evening. We think of our day starting with alarm clock buzzing, waking up, boom, morning hustle, and we're off to work. The Hebrew notion of of a day begins in the evening. You might notice in the creation story again, throughout the repeated frame is, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day. The Hebrew day starts with evening, starts in rest, starts with sleep, and you let yourself go, and God is at work doing his work in a world that you have no control of because you're sound asleep, and you wake up to a world where God has been very busy at work already, filled with grace and goodness, taking care of the world, taking care of our lives. How can we get that rhythm into our thinking and our living. Well, we've seen some Sabbath perspectives. Real quickly, how can we practice the Sabbath? Let me give you just five, quickly, five words um, to direct our practice of Sabbath. First is keep. Keep the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath. Practice the Sabbath. Really, maybe the better word is decide. Decide to keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath as a holy time. I think everyone, you know, they hear this and they think, oh man, that sounds great. I love the idea of a Sabbath, right? But to decide to actually live it out, to do it, that is a hard thing because it means saying no to the whole stream of our culture, which is telling you, work, keep doing what you're doing. You need to prove yourself. You need to justify your existence. And this is really critical uh, because the way of the world, the way it shapes us is hard. Given the demands of work, given all the habits we put in place, this will be difficult. So make a decision to sort of resist the cultural narrative that you are justified by what you do and decide to live in God's rhythm of rest. Decide to keep a Sabbath, which means you'll need to plan this, okay? You're going to need to think through, how might I restructure some of my routines of my week? Even, how am I going to live the day? How can I keep from doing all the chores on a Sunday? How can I keep from my work creeping in on that day? So I'd encourage you, like some of our Jewish brothers and sisters do, they start it on the evening, start it on a Saturday night. They often light two candles, one for the Exodus passage of Sabbath, one for the Deuteronomy passage of Sabbath. They light two candles, usually the the female of the house does that, and they start by feasting, enjoying a dinner. This is the first thing of a Sabbath. You enter into communion, you enter into a time of rest. So, decide. Second word, stop, cease, stop your work, okay? Just full stop. Put away that phone. If your phone is going to drag you back into work, do a tech fast for the day. Um, Unplug. 
I mean, just because you know what happens. Even if you're checking email, you think, oh, I'm not working. Studies show that, that what happens in our system, our response to even just some of the emails, we attain some of the same stress levels of when we are at work if we're having our Sabbath and we're looking at emails. So put it away. Stop. Rest. Third word. The Hebrew word Shabbat is to rest. God rested from his work. God Shabbat from his work. So sleep in. Sleep. Take a nap during the day. Get as much bodily rest as you can. Get as much mental rest as you can. Again, this is stop your work. Stop thinking about work, avoiding the emails, the texts. Um, don't get hooked back in. And then celebrate. This is a time to delight. It's a time to celebrate what the Creator has done. One of those ways you can do that is celebrating the goodness of food. In our house, if there's Sabbath, there's a bottle of wine open because that is some of the goodness of God. Have that extra cup of coffee. Do nothing that is obligatory, okay? This is not a have to. This is a get to. I get to do this. Retrain your mind in the good, in the beautiful, and the true. Fill your soul with beauty. Put flowers out. Put on the best music. Have a dance party in the home. Find creative ways to make this a festive day, a celebration. Curate joy. Again, this, this Jewish theologian, Abraham Heschel, says this. He says, it is a sin to be sad on the Sabbath. Huh? It's a sin to be sad on the Sabbath. Here's what I encourage you. You know, life is filled with pain, right? And you can probably fill Sabbath with those conversations. Maybe a helpful practice is just to say, you know what? We, we can pick that conversation up tomorrow. How about we just, we're not repressing all the pain that we have. We're just postponing it. We're going we're gonna to say, let's deal with that conversation about our family dynamics tomorrow. Uh, today, we're going to rejoice. And the last word, worship. Delight in God. Sing play. Let delight turn into gratitude, turn into worship of the good God we follow. Through the gift of Sabbath, we remember that we don't need to live by the sweat of our brow alone, but by the grace of God. So God calls you to trust him, to embrace this gift of Sabbath. It's an invitation to rest, to delight in grace, because this is what we're made for. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the beauty and the wonder of this Sabbath practice. God, we confess that um, we so often get duped by the idol of work. It promises so much meaning and identity, and yet it fails to deliver. It sort of hooks us in. God, we want to have work in our rightful place. It is a good gift that you give to us, but we help, pray, help us to pay attention to rest. This is a part of who we are, God. So, school us in the practice of Sabbath. It is the practice of the gospel of Jesus' rest for each one of us. May we be remarkable to our culture because we are able to resist the drivenness of Toronto life, but instead live out of the beautiful Sabbath rhythms of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.